We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running. Ten questions with Adam Joir. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. Welcome to 10 Questions. We now have a Twitter account, at The 10 Questions. That is, at The 10 Questions. This week is grand final week for the AFL and NRL, and to celebrate it, I've interviewed someone who I think is the doyen of sports broadcasters, Mr. Jared Whiteley. Jared and I worked together at the Herald and Weekly Times in the late 90s and early 2000s, where he was the editor of Hit Magazine, then senior writer at the Sunday Magazine. Then he went on to Channel 10, then Channel 7, then back to Channel 10, winning many awards and plaudits along the way. Then he became the main football caller on ABC Grandstand, following in the footsteps of Tim Lane. Jared has a great command of language, and his calls are always vivid and precise. These days he's combined his Grandstand duties with hosting the TV shows AFL 360 and Offsiders, where he brings an intelligence and wit to the sports conversation in Australia. The words he uses might not have as many syllables as the words used by his sometimes offsiders panellists Gideon Haig, but they're still long, and when those two are in concert, you're not just listening to a conversation about sport, you're actually growing your vocabulary. Jared had a tight schedule this week, but I was able to get 15 minutes with him. I was out when we spoke, so I had to record the interview on my phone using tape call and there were beeps. I haven't worked out how to get rid of them. It doesn't matter. It was a great chat with an icon of Australian broadcasting. Jared Whiteley, question number one, when were you most happy? I like to think that I'm happy most of the time, but a couple of the specifics is uh, earlier this week, just on Sunday night, is my, it's our annual dinner where my wife and I go out at the end of the football season so basically for me to say thank you to her for enduring the past seven months. And we sat at, um, we went to View de Monde up at, at the Rialto and we sat looking out over Melbourne and there were just none of the demands of either home or work, no phones, just a chance to sit there and chat about things and um, and I guess reconnect with just a conversation that uh, wasn't, that had no time demands sitting on it and uh, and no push and pull. The other one I can think of which I really liked was my eldest daughter uh, in her swimming sports earlier in the year. And she's uh, she was 10 at the time and um, sort of all the insecurities and timidity of, of being that age and she wasn't sure that she wanted to do it and she was in the 50 metres backstroke and she won. And just in the oh, last wow. few metres of that, when she was going to win, um, it was just uh, just that surge of um, not pride, but just emotion for her that she conquered yeah. something that she wasn't sure about. And she was so happy in the aftermath of it. And I, I imagine that that I imagine there will be a lot of moments like that as a parent. And that was one of the sharpest ones that, that I felt. And it was just it was that that was happiness. Mate, is there an urge to actually call the race? <laughs> Do you know what? There, I tell you what, there was. There was an urge to cheer, which is probably not ideal. But when it looked like she was going, to, and what it was going to mean to her, it had nothing to do with anyone. But yeah. just what it was going to mean to her, to, to as a um, as a lesson in I don't know reassurance or, or that taking on a challenge. Um, 
and I really wanted her to win towards the end of that for the good that it would do her. <laughs> That's really great. And I, I should say to listeners, you've told me your schedule before during the football season, so I totally get that need to reconnect with your family and your wife <laughs> at the end. I mean, it is quite an amazing schedule you've got. The second question is, who would you like to apologise to and why? This is not as personal, but I would like to apologise to Adam Goods on behalf of all the good people of football who mm. fumbled along and tried and thought they might have understood or be able to make a difference to his circumstance throughout this year. And perhaps there were moments where, in our eagerness to do so, we might have made things worse and we might have made his experience even more intense. And certainly by the end, it was quite clear that we had solved nothing. So this was a moment where the footy community, which I think has prided itself in various stages this year of being like family, it was Mm. unable to heal what is an open wound to the end. And it's something that from the outside, uh, a lot of us ended up feeling really passionate about. But imagine what it was like for him Uh, And the fact that we weren't able to do anything to, you know, for whatever solidarity and compassion was showed, it wasn't able to alter the circumstance. So uh, there'll be people who simply don't care about this, and that was such a great pity. But for those of us that do, I think Adam Goods is owed an apology. And there's probably that, that level of conceit that you might actually be able to shape things and change attitudes and help educate. Uh, And in this instance, that just, you know, it's been really sobering, I think, that when when Mm. attitudes are so entrenched that um, the the thought that you might be able to change them in this instance just proved impossible. Twitter certainly didn't cut it. I can tell you that. Question three, what is your greatest regret? Uh, I have a couple of friendships that I haven't been able to maintain. And it's not that they're gone, it's just that they lie dormant and that mm. that does rest on me and that's having a you know, a poor work life balance. Um <laughs> where, you know, whatever spare time I have is completely dedicated to family, but it does mean that, that next that next social group and particularly one friendship from school, which is still there, um, but I I either don't tend or can't tend. I suspect that's an excuse. I don't tend to it and I wish that I would commit and every now and then it occurs to me that I really should and hopefully I do but as it stands that is a that's a regret but the various sacrifices that are made from time to time is there's that one friendship that I would really like to sort of get back going and and that rests with me a question for what will you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life (laughs) I'm I won't be satisfied I'm a I suspect I'm a little bit restless and I am always looking for what comes next. Mm. So there isn't that one thing that will, um, that will round things out. I am, I'm careful to make sure that I, I am fulfilled as I go along, but I'm always looking for what comes next. One thing that sits way out to the left that one day I would love to have the time and have a crack at, I might be no good at it whatsoever, is I would love to write a movie script. Mm. And that that sort of dates back to... I had a period of time at the Herald Sun when I was the, the movie writer and yeah. saw a lot of films in that period and interviewed a lot of people. And there's just that little flame that burns in the background. Is I'd love to have a dip at 
at writing the script. As uh, it might be completely hopeless, but if I did get to that one day, I would feel like yes, I I always had that sitting there that I'd like to have a crack at. Question five: Who is the person who most influenced you, and how? Uh, my dad is my greatest influence, and that's both personal and professional. So uh, the values and the uh, the understanding of family and loyalty and commitment, dedication, and probably work ethic all comes from him. And then the professional side of things is one of my earliest memories is sitting at the footy with him and he said to me, imagine if they paid you to be here. And that wow. sowed a seed that I fully understand. I know exactly where that has come from and I know how it's grown through the years. And now I do get to do that. And I never lose sight of how uh, how privileged that is and how lucky I am and what my 10-year-old self would think about being able to do this. Um, and I know, Dad, uh, we correspond all the time about whatever sport I'm at or he's watching. And uh, so that, that's our strongest connection. But I know that this all starts with, with his words on that day. Wow. And what did he do? He was uh, he was an accountant. He was a business owner. Uh, yep. He's done a lot of stuff with charity and with the church. Yep. Um, but uh, just had that underlying uh, love of sport. He played cricket as a young man to a really good level. Um, he's yeah. And from the time I can remember, we were going to sort of footy, cricket, and then racing a little bit later on. So the passion that I have for sport is is passed on from him and what I understand of sport very much comes from those childhood experiences. Question six, when was the last time you cried and why? Well, this will make me very superficial, but I, I will get I will get teary if you sit down with me and we watch Cool Runnings. I'll get teary <laughs> at the end when the Jamaican bobsled team carries it across the line. Yeah. So in real life sport, it does... It absolutely has an emotional impact on me. Um, mm. I got a lump in my throat the other day down at Geelong when Steve Johnson was retiring and yeah. having seen all of his career as, as a fan and then a commentator and understanding the amount of joy that he has provided um, me as a spectator and the successes which are so important in a, you know, in a sport-following life. Uh, and then uh, the day that Black Caviar was retired and... We'd spent a, you know, invested a big portion of of four years in following that journey and what that meant to not only the broader community, but it meant a lot to me by the by the fruition of it. And the day she was brought back to Caulfield to parade, uh, that was tremendously emotional. And I was lucky to have a formal role that day, but when my formal part of it finished and she was just walking around and then she walked off into the sunset, that was. Um, that was quite beautiful, and mm. I know the the premier of the state at the time was openly weeping, and the strapper was wet, and everybody had a lump in their throat, and I certainly had a tear in my eye. I think I was watching 360 though, on those important occasions. Bizarrely, I was. I remember. I remember. You know, Robbo Robbo pressing you on it. Yeah, um, probably trying to get a tear out of you if I remember rightly. <laughs> yeah, um, there was a good deal of mirth in it, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they, I think the emotional investment over a long period of time to know that we'd seen something truly wonderful and memorable, um, yeah, that, that really did mean a lot at the end. Um, just quickly, how long did it take you to write the book? Um, about uh, eight months really intensely and yep. then sort of bits and pieces along the way to, to finish it off and, 
and coming back from Ascot. But yeah, so the best part of the year. Question seven, what is your current state of mind? Uh, this is twofold. So the broad is excited. There's, this is, along with Melbourne Cup Week, the best time of the year in Melbourne. Yeah. And I always want to be, despite whatever else is going on, you want that underlying level of the build-up to a grand final is splendid. I love mm. the Brownlow medal. I love the energy around Melbourne, the gathering at the parade. The parade's one of my favourite things of the year. And then the possibilities contained within the game itself. So mm-hmm. always having that um, that pretty pure level of excitement around it. And then the second is, um, I'm, this will sound contradictory, I'm frantic, but I'm rigidly ordered. I know exactly yeah. what has to be done at the exact time and where I have to be and just making sure that all the pieces fit and I'm, I am where I want to be. So, uh, and, you know, I, I am privileged to be sort of a part of this as you can help to build the excitement around it and draw people towards it and then you have a role to play. When you, when you call the game, you have to do justice to the deeds and pass it on to those who can't see it at the time and those sorts of things. Question eight, what do you consider your greatest achievement? Our family is, I've been going out with my wife since we were teenagers, so everything that we've experienced and built, we've sort of done together, and our endeavours are, are done as a partnership. So uh, her achievements and my achievements are absolutely linked. We've travelled together. And it's sort of one of those lucky experiences. I know uh, people have their life experiences and then they meet their partner and then they sort of set up as we had it almost the other way around as we've had all of our life experiences together and then we had our family, which Fantastic. Uh, we treasure. And our kids mm. are 11, 8 and 3. So that uh, that is quite the adventure sort of. And you never, uh, you don't quite know what family life will will throw up and the, the challenges and the joys and yeah, that we, that we sort of do that as a, a partnership and uh, explore those things and have those experiences together for the first time around. It's, I really treasure that. And uh, above mm-hmm. anything else, the, the family side of things is I'm, um, I'm really, uh, um, I'm very sort of satisfied and joyful around that. Um, question nine, who would you want on your side in a battle and why? <laughs> Uh, the two producers that I work with most intensely in the, that sort of collaborative and challenging and striving environment, and, and you you would understand this. Is, so Tim Hodges is the producer of AFL 360, and Adam White is the producer of Grandstand AFL. And that uh, that sense of the daily challenge or the weekly challenge, however it's set up, and from the, the first moment of planning to try to see it to fruition against sort of tight deadlines and and various circumstances which will divert along the way uh, and producing something that uh, does justice to the efforts and, you know, lives up to a level of excellence that we like to establish. Uh, and sometimes you reach them and sometimes you don't. And sort of those honest moments of reflection where you don't and the... Um, the, the buzz that you get when you actually get it the way you want it or even exceed what you'd planned for. Those lads uh, have a tremendous dedication. Uh, they have an absolute commitment and they have a fierce loyalty towards me and I love them for it. And oh, so I would happily go into battle with them. And, and then the final question, Jared, what would you like your last words to be? That went well. And so did that. So thank you, Jared. Sorry about the beeps. And remember, any news that is 10 questions related can be found on our Twitter account at 
the 10 questions. We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. 10 questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. 